And he said to me, Todd, do you notice anything on these gravestones? And it was cold, it was a little snowy. I remember I wasn't dressed appropriately. And all I could think of is like, Dad, I just want to get back in the car. And he went on and on about what was not on these gravestones. And he eventually said, you notice not one of these says where they worked. Keep it in perspective, right? Make sure you strike that right balance between work and life. And it was kind of an eye-opening moment for me that I still remember all the time. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Lead the Team Nation. Hang on to your hats. Got a great one in store for you today with Todd Gustafson, who's president of HP Federal and head of U.S. public sector, extending to U.S. higher education, K-12 education, state and local government customer segments, as well as the federal systems integrators, as well as federal systems integrators. And you're not going to believe this, but Todd began his career at HP all the way back in sweet 1988. I believe that puts you at 35 years. Todd, welcome to lead the team. Ben, it's good to be with you. The gray hairs that I have uh, uh, share that 35 years. <laughs> well, at least you have hair. For our listeners, you know, everyone knows I do not. <laughs> You're looking great there, Todd. Now, before we started, y'all, we've already covered Narragansett beer. If you ever have, if it had that beer, I highly recommend that. And we were just about to get into a sailing story. But I had to stop him because I'm like, I don't want to hear this unless it's on the air. So, Todd, break it down for us. Tell us your sailing story. So, a friend of ours owns a Hinkley sailboat. And if any of you know uh, sailing, Hinkley is one of those classic uh, sailboats uh, manufactured in Maine. And he asked us to, our oldest son, Jack, and I, to sail with him overnight up into uh, the mid-coast of uh, Maine. And we left Ipswich, Massachusetts, and we began our sail at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And the weather was predicted to be fairly uh, easy. And mm -hmm. along the way, it was probably one of the more treacherous sailing uh, overnight events that I've ever had mm -hmm. to the point where we were clipped into our safety gear and it was a uh it was quite the treacherous overnight um just uh tremendous wind rain it was uh it was really uh crazy and but it was a good learning experience i've been a sailor all my life but the best part of the overall experience is uh we um we made it up into uh we made it up into maine and we got there early in the morning and we clipped on a mooring at about uh seven o'clock in the morning and there wasn't a lot happening at that time. However, there was a, a little Zodiac, a black Zodiac that was on a dock that was relatively close to our mooring. 
And uh, this gentleman jumped in his uh, jumped in his Zodiac and he scooted over uh, to the uh, to our boat, to um, our friend's boat. Mm-hmm. And he complimented on the uh, Hinkley and it was a beautiful blue hull and how beautiful it was. And there was if you've oh, we've all had this experience where we see somebody and we go, hmm, I know that face from someplace. And uh, just before he left, I said, oh, by the way, my name's Todd. And he said, my name's John Roberts. And hmm. it was our chief justice. And wow. he came and was by himself. And he was a uh, put all politics aside. He was an incredibly nice gentleman. And it was kind of my uh, recent sailing experience. Oh, man. And so how long ago was this? Was this uh, a, a year ago? A year oh, ago. This well, I guess a, a chief justice needs to take a break every once in a while and get out on the water. huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And so. What is, and, and what is the coolest part, by the way, about sailing overnight? Because some people would say that does not sound like a very good idea, especially if weather is coming in. So <laughs> one I would say, and I, I hope I approach this in the right humble nature, is you got to know what the heck you're doing, first and foremost, right? It's not uh, for amateurs. Um, two, you have to pay attention, right? You really need to, uh, because... The uh, the sea, in my mind, is a very deadly place uh, if you're not careful. And so, but lastly, yeah. and most importantly, when you're sailing, there's a couple things you're not doing. One is you're generally not tethered to your phone. So your electronics are away. Um, two, you're, you're with nature. It's like there's this incredibly like comforting feeling when you have the wind and the surf of the, uh, of the ocean mm. and the quietness. And there's just something that's mm. personally for me, just a chill moment when I'm in the boat that all things go away. And you're not thinking about Zoom meetings or emails or anything else, um, but you can kind of just check out. And I think from a healthy body and healthy mind perspective, it's so super important. Mm. Yeah. So many great nuggets in that. And what I hear too, is like, you have to be present. Like you're saying, and you, and you, it's not always a break to be out on the water, especially when you're sailing, but it's a refocus of energy. And you can't, like I say, you can't be on your phone because you could, it could be dangerous or you could miss something important. I feel the same way when I'm, when I, I like to play out of tennis, I'm on the tennis court. I can't think about what's going on at work. I'm thinking about my opponent. And so being in that moment can, can really be, uh, of refocusing while it's not relaxing, it's somehow rejuvenating big time. And it's, um, it's, uh, there's only other one, there's only other one thing that is like that, Ben is uh skiing. You, hmm. uh, you can't use your phone when you're skiing and that, uh, it's just a chance, you know, we live in a beautiful world and a beautiful earth, take advantage of it. Right. So I saw that you're an Eagle Scout and so I am, am an Eagle I. Scout. Congratulations, and, Ben. Yep. Likewise, likewise. And I'll and when I when I run across this, I love to ask the question: How has your scouting experience informed your leadership approach? Almost everything I learned about my leadership approach, Ben, I learned in scouting. It was one of the single most important events in my childhood, hmm. and when I uh, was a uh, scout. And, you know, we're talking 40 plus years ago at this point. 
scouting even then was somewhat popular, but there was a lot of what I would say distractions that were happening from a social standpoint where scouting wasn't always considered, quote unquote, to be the cool thing. And so there was a lot of things that I learned, right, which was the whole aspect of earning merit badges, as an example, and learning new skills. Like, I feel like I'm a a student of constant learning. So I love the fact that I would do constant learning. Two, I loved camping. We went to a Boy Scout camp in Rhode Island uh, called Camp Yagu. And it is a amazing, uh, it is an amazing place. And uh, it was there that they had uh, a program that I participated in called the Counselor in Training, CIT mm. Corps, Counselor in yeah. Training Corps. And so I was a counselor in training and I worked in a number of different jobs at Yagu and I spent four full summers there. Um, and oh, by the way, back then there was no phones. There was none of that kind of stuff. When you went away from your folks for uh, the summer, you went away for the summer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then I was asked to be the the, uh, the leader of the CIT Corps mm-hmm. and train mm-hmm. incoming uh, counselors. And it was there that I really loved and found that I was inspired by seeing others thrive and succeed. And, uh, and then, you know, I wanted to achieve Eagle Scout because it mattered. Right. And it was a, uh, it was a goal. And I believe then, and I believe now in the values of Scout uh, and it hasn't changed. And I, um, I know it may sound a little bit corny, but I think about it a lot. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. about the benefit that I got from it. And it's, um, and uh, I was uh, very fortunate to meet our daughter went to Amherst college and one of her classmates was the very first uh, girl Eagle Scout and Boy Scouts. And so oh, wow. it's, it's, it's so awesome to see scouting evolve and uh, embrace diversity. I think it's pretty important. Yeah, it was, I had a very similar experience. It, it, it put me in positions early on of leadership that I look back. I'm like, I can't believe they trusted me to lead a group of scouts in the woods and, you know, here's a compass and, and go figure it out. Or, uh, we would have our, 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 our troop was fairly large. We had different patrols and we would have a campsite that, where we would cook over the open fire by ourselves and uh, they trusted us to to do that safely. And uh, man, it's like really early leadership it. experience. What's that? And you're here to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I lived. I lived to tell the story. Yeah, the, and um, the best part after the fire, though, Ben was uh, sitting on you know uh, logs, and you would just stare into the embers of the fire at the end of the day. And there was something cathartic about that, just to be able to reflect uh, and get lost in your oh, yeah. own thoughts. So powerful. Yeah, yeah, a lot of special times. So yeah, th- thanks for sharing that stuff, Todd. Now let's talk about your first job, which I understand uh, you had a lot of learning from that. How does it continue to influence your leadership today? So I came to HP when I joined HP. Uh, I started selling calculators. And right. small ThinkJet printers. Mm. And some folks uh, listening to this may scratch their head and go, like, calculators and ThinkJet printers? And all of us start someplace. And uh, very quickly, our company at the time introduced this thing called the HP LaserJet. Mm. And, you know, I used um, 
I use the opportunities that when I think about our founders of our company, Bill Hewell and Dave Packard, they were real. Uh, they were kind of giants in the industry, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But they were there is something about the HP way. And uh, if you've never experienced the HP way, it's about how do we treat employees? How do we treat customers? How do we treat mm-hmm. partners? And we treat them with dis- dignity and respect. And I would just say that our culture is so powerful at this company that that was the most important thing I learned in terms of think about what we just talked about, the uh, the culture of scouting. There was a translatability, if you will, in terms of that culture uh, at HP that exists. Our company's 83 years old. Think about there's not many other companies, IT companies, been around for 83 years. And part of it is that um, we have great people that drive great innovation that um that wake up every day feeling empowered what they need to go do. And so what I would say in reflection, you know, I think about my early 20s and I think about mm-hmm. that for our children or uh, or folks that I mentor is the importance of sometimes in your 20s, Ben, you can uh, you can waste a lot of time in your career. And if I had to do it all over again, I feel like that uh, period between 22 and 28 I had spent a little bit more focus time than fun time uh, going forward. So that would be one of the things I learned from a leadership lesson. Two, I would say that communication is so important, right? And at all levels of the organization. And like any company, you go through your ups and downs. And the ups have always been framed by solid leadership that communicates well, good and bad, right? That calls mm-hmm. it like it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's what that's when we've thrived. And are yeah, thriving I, now. Yeah, I love that. And it's uh, some some great insights there. And I so your first just to clarify, your your first role was sales, is that right? It was sales, yeah. Okay. So, I still everyone in HP is a salesperson, Ben. All right. So all right. I'm going to ask you, so there's a quote out there and I'm pulling from memory. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Hewlett or if it was Packard that said it, but was it marketing or marketing is far too important to leave just to the marketing department or was it sales is just, is too important to. You know, you think about our CEO today, I'm going to see him in just a short, uh, I'm in Palo Alto, California today, and I'm going to see (laughs) him shortly. Tell him hi. Okay, I will, Ben. Uh, and he uh, he is our number one salesperson, right? And mm-hmm. I, I like I know this. Will, I'm not sure it's going to sound corny, but I love dealing with people, right? I love uh, that our business is a relationship business. It's helping me. It's me helping our customers and our partners and uh, our government figure out they've all got jobs to go do. And how do we go figure how to do this? It's not selling them something, but we have basically common and shared mission and goals. How do we figure out how to go do that? And no, oh, by mm. the way, if you do that well, you'll have relationships that last a lifetime. Hmm. I like that. And it really talks about the culture of HP and how, I mean, it's one thing to say, well, was it, were they saying sales as not as a, you know, that, a, a, a sales as a perspective of service is what it sounds like is the culture. And yeah, you're well, to help servant, and, uh, servant culture. Servant culture, yeah, where you're there to serve the customer. And I like the idea of, and, and that quote resonates with me because I think about it from a company standpoint, and I, I worked for 
some large 50 uh, fortune 50 companies back in the day. And I think there's a tendency in organization to have different silos. And I think all the leaders are listening are probably like, Oh yeah. Like we have accounts payable. We have finance, we have sales, we have marketing. And I think this is the leader's job, right? To make them, to bring, to, to infuse communication, to, to create a culture that crosses function. Since you've been in HP for so long, you've probably seen this silo culture at some point, if not in HP, at least at the at, at your customers. Uh, what, what's your advice for leaders who really want to cross this and identify opportunities? So success is almost always shared, Ben. Always mm -hmm. shared. If you think you're going to win alone, it will be fleeting in terms of what happens in that uh, in that win. And I would tell you that the um, when you're sailing on a boat, we talked about sailing, right? Uh, if you think you're going to be the uh, you're at the helm and just your efforts alone in terms of your skill and navigating the wind is going to uh, is going to get you there. No, you need a crew in order to get you there. And mm -hmm. I always um, I always personally. Well, I would say I learned this uh, for sure. Right. Is in the beginning when I was young, there was a go it alone approach. And I found out how much better when you get everybody in the boat. They're all rowing in the same direction. And for those of you who read The Boys in the Boat, um, about uh, a group of eight men and University of Washington and what they were able to achieve when they have common goals, common mission, everyone does their job, but everyone knows what the other job is. Hmm. It's um, it, like it's so awesome. It's cool when you succeed together and you thrive together and you have shared success. It's uh, It's much better. And if you don't, is almost always someone will someone will lose and that's not good want to boost your productivity and decision making get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox a great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not go to benfanning.com slash insight you're passionate about investing in people and you're known for having a people first approach and how this, this is driven your team building to your sales perspective. What does a people first approach mean to you? It's not about yourself, right? And uh, it's like, I, I get, I'm energized by seeing other success. And I've been so very fortunate to be this company for so long and have so many different jobs and have like lots of different careers. And I think it's incumbent upon leaders to strike a balance on doing their job and helping others. And so let me just give you a couple of examples, Ben, which is I do, um, I mentor at least eight to 10 people at any given time. Um, and that will be generally a every three weeks, I'll spend a half an hour, 30 minutes to an hour with each of them. Hmm. And I'll give them homework assignments and they'll give me homework assignments. And we have honest and open and transparent conversations about where they want to go and what they want to do. And not all of them end well, uh, but a lot of them, hmm. uh, I would say, 
um, value the fact that a senior leader takes the time and effort to show them um, how to get ahead. And I will, um, I'll pretty much take on any assignment um, in terms of mentorship. I just uh, literally just got off the phone with a officer of the U.S. Air Force Space Command. And I'm mentoring someone completely outside of our industry um, in the Air Force to try to bridge civilian and defense um, leadership qualities, right? Because they're very oh. different, but there's a lot of similarities that happen between the two of them. And frankly, while I was asked to go do this uh, by, um, by a four-star, it was, I've gotten as much out of this relationship as he's gotten out of it. Mm. And, and so sometimes you have to go outside your comfort zone in order to do that. And oh, by the way, if you want to be a good mentor, um, you have to have a good, you have to have a good mentor relationship as well. So your personal development is never ending, right? I'm not, I'm not nearly at the finish point. So I, I, man, I love this. So, so let's sort of double click proverb for proverbially, proverbially on mentorship. Um, when you say mentorship, can you kind of give us a play by play? Are you like offering advice? Is it more coaching? Are they bringing their problems? Do they, are you pointing out things? What's, what is the sort of a typical mentorship session have in it? So my family would tell you that, or colleagues that I work with would tell you that I'm a question asker. You can get a lot by asking questions versus making points. And so first seek to understand, right? Do that, uh, do that probe in a way that we, like, hey, Ben, what do you want to be in 10 years? Um, what what defines utopia for you? How would you uh, how would you like to be perceived? Those kind of like, and you and I are just having a little role play here, but I um, everyone's different. But what I would say is the outcome is about what makes them feel good, what makes them feel good personally as an individual, as in a mm -hmm. person, right? They feel good about themselves. They feel good about their career. They feel good about what they're going. And oh, by the way, in some cases, that may uh, be that they don't work at our company anymore. They may need to go do something else, right? And it's a, um, uh, it's but it's shared. Like I feel like again, and the mentor mentee, I I get as much out of the conversations as they do. And but honesty, dignity, respect have to be at the foundational mm -hmm. level of all those conversations. And I also good or bad, have a reputation of calling it like it is. So, it, and I think as sometimes as hard as it to hear difficult um, or challenging information, it's really important that people know that um, mm. so that they can have the opportunity to improve upon it. And if no one has that honest conversation with them, I'm failing them and their friends are failing them. So eight to 10 mentors plus being president of a of a big business at HP, that's a lot to manage. What does someone do to get on the Todd mentorship list? Do you, are you like a rising star? Do you just want to be, are you in trouble? Are you, you know, where? It's, it's how no. do you go about selecting it? Because I give it, the reason I ask is I think a lot of leaders like, yes, I'm mentoring my own team. Like they think about that, but here you are even oh, no somebody one, uh, outside. Where, where, no where, one's on my team. No one's in my org. None. 
None, hmm. not one person's in my arc. They're all external. Um, Interesting. And I have eight right now. Uh, two are external to the company. Six are external to my organization. And here's how it works, Ben. It's pretty simple. They drop me a note or they give me a phone call and say, hey, would you help me out? And unfortunately, I'm a yes man. And I always have a soft heart and figure out a way to make it happen. Because if someone if someone reaches out, like that's the uh, the very first part of this journey on their them wanting to make a positive improvement on their life and their career. And I think that's a powerful statement. And what could be more negative statement than say, no, I can't do it. So mm-hmm. I find a way. Well, it's, it's honestly, it sounds like a calling. It's but think about scouting. We talked about scouting a little bit more. Isn't that exactly what you and I that, both learned as scouts? That might have been your also I was thinking that like that might have been your first mentorship opportunity was being mentored and and uh, mentoring others and and scouting. Exactly. That's part of the process. And I mean I'm curious uh and you can you can take a pass on this but you said you get homework too in the mentorship sessions. What's one of the mo- more memorable homeworks that you had to do from one of your, I guess you're doing the mentoring, but you yeah. end up with homework. So I was just curious. Uh, so um, examples of mentoring might be, or pardon me, homework might be um, how to get them a different job that's better suited to their skill level. Mm-hmm. And so that in a lot of cases requires leaning on relationships uh, within either inside of the company or outside of the company, because if like life's way too short, Ben, to do something that you don't like or you're not good at way too short. Right. And it'll go by just like that. And so what I would say is a lot of my homework assignments are I'm misplaced. Help me find the right place. Mm-hmm. And not, not all of them work out perfectly, if you will, but I um I just um you have to be like the best part hopefully you hear it in my voice is I love what I do right I've been doing it for I, a long time I like wake up every day I I'm love getting customers that. I love um yeah. I love our company I love my colleagues we do some we do some really awesome things here when that day comes and you don't like what you're doing, you got to find somebody to help you uh, find that passion and find what makes you tick. Mm. Great to hear that. Can I give you one last example? Yeah, let's see. So my my parents are still alive. I love my folks. Talk to them all the time. We have a very close relationship. My dad was was a Navy guy, was in the Navy, um, and uh, he... Uh, worked with a power company. He was a lineman, um, electrical lineman. He did a lot of, it was, what I would say is we were lower middle income family growing up, um, close family. And my dad, uh, we would, we always still today go to Pawtucket, Rhode Island and place a wreath at my grandparents' gravestone at Christmas. Hmm. And about 10 years ago, when phones were still kind of a little bit early, if you will, was so uh, pervasive in our life now. Um, in hindsight, I must have been on the phone when he and I drove down to place a wreath on it the entire two-hour drive. And he said to me, Todd, do you notice anything on these gravestones? And it was cold. It was a little snowy. I remember I wasn't dressed appropriately. And all I could think of is like, Dad, I just want to get back in the car. 
And he went on and on about what was not on these gravestones. Hmm. And he eventually said, you notice not one of these says where they worked. Not one. It only says how long they lived. In some cases that you would see a Red Sox or a Patriots insignia, it would almost always say their spouse, sometimes their children um, that were there, but it never talked about their work. And he said, keep it in perspective, right? Make sure you strike that right balance between work and life. And it was a kind of an eye-opening moment for me that I still remembered all the time. That, my friend, is mentorship. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Powerful. What, what a powerful moment. And I got a big chill in the back of my neck hearing that. Yeah. What's on there and what's not. Sometimes it's paying attention to what's not there. Yeah. Uh, so you've said, and I, and I read this, I think on LinkedIn, that one of your personal goals is to quote mirror business and community leaders who you admire and respect. Who are some of the leaders out there today that you think listeners need to be aware of? I had the good fortune of visiting Fort Jackson, which is a U.S. Army basic training in South Carolina. And Brigadier General Beagle, B-E-A-G-L-E, was there. And I had the, I was there for uh, five days and I got to experience the intake process when young recruits were coming in, coming off the bus to the point where they went through that, what was called patch ceremony and where, uh, and then they became uh, members. They were no longer trainees, but they became U.S. Army um, soldiers. And even just talking about it now was such a chill, like gave you gave you chills uh, when you hear them um, and what they were able to uh, achieve. But uh, General Beagle was, he was just so very inspirational in terms of how he engaged with every, even though he was a, he was the highest commanding officer at, uh, at Fort Jackson, people at, not just because of his title, but they, they, he engaged and he was well-respected and he would take the time to talk to a recruit as they walked in where a lot of leaders may uh, pass that by. And if you ever on, you mentioned LinkedIn, I encourage you to follow um, uh, uh, General Beagle because he's a very inspirational uh, leader that um, reflects the best of our country. Um, and he's a, um, He's a, an amazing example. And then lastly, our boss, my uh, my ultimate supervisor at HP, Enrique Lores. He was a intern in Barcelona working on printers. Uh, and, you know, th we both started almost within the same month. Uh, we've both been here 35 years. And his, what I mirror from Enrique is he's real. He's not mm. easy. He's tough. Um, but he didn't get to the job, Ben, by mistake. He did it through hard work, determination, leadership, engagement. Uh, it was um, a lot to learn there. A lot to learn mm. from both of those individuals. Thank you for that. Thank you for those examples. So wrapping this up, and man, I only got, I didn't get to half my questions, uh, but 
Well, gives us are, a chance to keep talking at some point, Ben. He's got to keep going. With this. So thinking about the leaders out there, uh, what is what are maybe one or two strategies, success strategies that you'd recommend for them? And in, in, in addition to the things that we've taught today. So Meg Whitman, do you know Meg, Ben? She was the ah. CEO of HP. Yeah. She eBay. was uh, eBay, yeah. and she was just such a um, amazing and successful uh, leader. And I remember when I was a little wannabe, and we we're somewhere, and she said to me, um, "Hey, you got a couple minutes?" And she pulled me aside, and we ended up having a coffee for almost an hour. Now she's CEO of the company. I'm a relative uh, nobody at that point. And she um, she showed the interest um, mm. in individuals. And that said a lot to me in terms of she didn't know who I was from Adam, if you will. And it just said a little bit to me about our culture. And it said a lot to me about her personal beliefs and how powerful that was and how I could mirror those. Hmm. I really like that. First of all, I was I started to sweat just hearing you as a young leader, HP getting pulled aside by Meg for a second. You got a few minutes, and you're like, "Uh oh, where's this going?" <laughs> but you, but you're, but you, it must have accelerated your career. It must have worked out for you. It uh, did. And uh, Meg's uh, Meg is now the ambassador to Kenya. So I mean, so pretty remarkable achievements in her life. Worked out for her well too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a great cherry on top of the interview because I think we as leaders, we think about setting vision and we think about inspiring and motivating, but th this idea of showing a personal interest in their career, maybe even being willing sometimes to scratch below the surface and ask about their family and get to know them as individuals can be a great way to engage them motivate them and lead them. So I really like that approach. This has All been right. fun, Ben. I've really yeah. personally, seriously, this has been a, a good <laughs> conversation. I appreciate the opportunity. That's music to my ears. And I think listeners are going to really enjoy it too. Thanks, Todd. Good day. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of The Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.